Welcome to the Fadjication Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be discussing how can you grow from being solo. One of the biggest things that I think I've had to learn in business was how to scale up my business so that it got to the stage that it ran without me. And I learned this lesson very early on, having to cook a nightmare breakfast on my own. So when we were running the hotel, um, as you can imagine, it's not always easy to find reliable breakfast chefs because they work such irregular hours and it's the summer and you know that people like to drink and go out and have a laugh. But what this means is uh, a chef that's been working very late the previous evening for you in your restaurant and has gone out and is pissed is unlikely to be keen and able to get up at kind of like half six, seven o'clock in the morning to start prepping for breakfast. And this is something which happened to me. Um, I came in to do breakfast for 26 people. Um, the chef wasn't not only not there, but wasn't contactable. And it got to the stage where I, because I couldn't contact him, I had to actually cook breakfast myself for all these people. Um, and although I got through it, it was an extremely stressful nightmare. And it taught me this lesson of like, if I don't want to be vulnerable to this ever happening again, I've got to do a couple of things. Firstly, I've got to be able to get better at cooking breakfast so I'm more faster and more efficient with less wastage because my approach was just to cook loads and loads of stuff and kind of have it always warm and then like serve it a bit like a buffet and uh, apologize, which is not a great solution. And the alternative is I have to teach other people how to cook the breakfast. So if there is any emergency like this, I know I've got other people to call upon to drag into breakfast. So that's what I started to do. What it meant was that we would go over every dish that we were serving and we would break it down to the series of easy to follow steps, a bit like building a Lego toy or more realistically building a Big Mac or making a Starbucks latte. And it was only kind of after deliberately going through this process did I discover the concept of what a turnkey business is. And if you've seen the founder with Michael Keaton, which talks about the how McDonald's got started, um, there's a wonderful scene in there where he talks to the McDonald's brothers about how they're able to produce a burger in under, I think it's under a couple of minutes, where normally it would be 25 minutes. And the way they do this is they've rebuilt their kitchen to act like a production line and the burger order comes in and everyone has their station, their job and everything. It goes round being produced, ketchup gets put on, wrapped and all that kind of stuff. And it under about a minute and a half, which is revolutionary at the time. And the whole reason they did that is because they had a repeatable process that meant they could deliver on that consistently. You know, same level of quality at the same speed in the same time frame again and again and again and whoever was manning whichever part of that production line could easily be taught what was needed and it meant that you could swap out people easily and so this was how it was born and it's a case of um, a turnkey business is a franchise business like a mcdonald's or a subway or whatever that you buy for a a lot of money i think it's probably over a million dollars but you're able to buy the franchise and the reason why it's so expensive is because it will generate you um over a million dollars a year at least in turnover because when you buy it everything works it's that's the where the phrase turnkey comes from because they've built a process to deliver every dish on the menu to deliver the running of the entire business 
Um, and that's what you're paying for. You don't have to kind of learn on the fly. If anything, you're sent to McDonald's University or the equivalent to learn how it works. They give you all the systems and processes and away you go. And this is something that um, when I was learning about this, it you know made complete sense. And I, we actually did it in the hotel. And I got everyone who worked for me to do a role play and take sort of do a job swap where they would do everyone else's jobs. And the advantage of that was not only did they kind of learn the experience, so if we were short-staffed for whatever reason, we could pull people in to kind of help us get through that period. But actually, everyone developed a kind of a kind of appreciation for each other and what each other needed. And this was vital because if you are working, whether you're you know doing the chambermaiding, working on reception, serving dinner, serving breakfast, seeing guests in, they all have certain different qualities and all the different departments overlap. So if you can be kind of aware of what the other person needs and you can help them such as you know you're cleaning the rooms and the guest checks in early how do you handle that the fact that everyone was able to work together to create a better experience and often help each other out meant that the the business itself did a lot better because of it so I want to talk today about how you can build that kind of turnkey factor into your business so that you can scale it up from being mainly just yourself to a small team of people Because the lesson I learned from having to go through this was unless I'm able to teach other people what I do, I can't rely on them. And the problem becomes that if I get ill or I'm busy or there's a problem in my business, the business grinds to a halt. And that's obviously a massive issue. But more importantly than that, it's going to lead to burnout, overwork, lack of delegation. And all these problems are going to build up on me personally. And then what happens if I am ill or I've got to take a break or I want to go on holiday? Again, I'm going to struggle to keep the business running, which means I'm going to you know, make mistakes and let clients down. It's all going to turn into a nightmare. So learning to kind of outsource and delegate responsibility and teach other people how to do what you do is going to be vital to growing your business. Because let's be honest, if you're working for yourself, as soon as your laptop closes, so does your business. And we don't want to be at that vulnerability. We want to be able to be making money and having people work on our business, even when our laptop is open or closed, whether we're ill or not, whether we're on holiday or not, everything keeps rolling. And the way that does, it starts by teaching other people how to do what you do. So many people um, struggle with this. And the best book I've come across, there's a couple of books, but The E-Myth is a classic by Michael Gerber and Built to Sell by John Warlow kind of take you through this process using an actual business as a kind of example. And I found those were extremely uh, helpful as far as when it kind of reframed what I should be doing. Um, so certainly that's what, what I would you know, absolutely say, go and read them. They're recommended reading, certainly. Um, but the way this starts is there are several ways to do it. But once you've uh, mentally accepted this, then the upside is enormous because the big picture beyond all of this, if you ever got to a point where you were successful enough that someone might want to buy your business, quite often the thing that will affect the price they're going to pay for your business is how involved you are in it. So if you aren't particularly involved and you're able to outsource it to other people who can still deliver what you do without your direct involvement, that in itself makes your business more valuable because if someone was to buy it and then bought you out, it would still function and run. The flip side is also true that if you're inextricably 
I can't even say that word, but basically if you're embedded deep inside your business and everything is linked and has to go through you, you become the bottleneck in the business and you lower the value because they know that once they buy you out and you disappear, you take most of the business kind of with you and sort of certainly how it runs and they'll have to only rebuild it themselves. So um, that's where we want to make sure that we are not inextricably, I can't even say that, so I'm not going to bother. That's where we need to make sure that we're not linked to the business. For me, um, the first bit starts with not being afraid to ask for help when you need it. This is a mental thing of, um, you know, speaking to a mentor uh, and other people who've done it, but also looking to kind of bring in people to help you, um, you know, do what you need to do. Um, the mental side of things is extremely valuable because it is quite tricky to do. And if you've not done it before, you, there's going to be certainly a lot of things you're going to need to learn. And often the best way to learn, unfortunately, is through trial and error. Um, so if you can avoid that by, you know, possibly hiring a mentor or someone you might know who can help you get, th you know, over the first initial stages of this, that would absolutely be something I'd highly recommend doing because it will save you a lot of pain and a lot of time in the beginning. When it comes to um, bringing in people to help run your business, like I said, you will actually be able to make it more valuable because you're removing yourself because they're replacing you. But you can also bring in their expertise to do a better job than you. So if my specialism is branding, um, it makes sense for me to be able to bring in a photographer or a copywriter because they will do a better job than me. And when we're running a project, bringing in a third party is a logical step. It helps me kind of scale up and get bigger jobs. Um, but I'm not committed to hiring someone on a salary basis. But the main thing is it will uh, force me to kind of be able to offer a better service, which is really important. And when you bring other people in, your role effectively will change because where you would now be someone who does a bit of everything, you'll now go into a kind of a more of a leadership role where you're sort of overseeing the creative project. And that, again, is useful for your own creative development. So I, I, I thoroughly kind of, um, you know, recommend pushing and making this first step it's not easy um, but certainly it is really really valuable because like I said as well as um, freeing yourself up from the business allowing you to take on more work because you can outsource it but it will help you develop as a person through you know good soft skills leadership delegation people skills management all that kind of stuff and although Certainly in the first stage where you do bring in someone and then maybe they do the job and you oversee it, it will feel uncomfortable to go from kind of lead designer to project manager. It's a necessary step to understand that process and kind of loosen the reins and, and hand over control more as a mental exercise for you because the second time around you do it, it gets easier and then you can step more comfortably into a more senior role of maybe just dealing with the client and overseeing the project from a kind of creative director role while um, other people are delivering on what you you know need them to do the way to get started so you know the best thing to do to be honest is to start documenting how you deliver what you do it's twofold this because first of all you have to document every step that you do when you deliver a project but the big advantage here is a bit like if it was a lego toy and you're following the instructions and you build this amazing car so imagine you're building Lego and you build this brilliant car and your friend's like, how did you build that? That looks cool. And you're like, okay, well, I need to work out what I did to build this car. But in the deconstruction of that process, I can then go, well, if I could do it differently and make it better, I would actually do this and add this and maybe take that away. 
to produce a you know significantly better car and it's the same here with our project delivery processes we can sort of stick with what we do and what we know and that's fine but if we're doing it you know there is no hard and fast rule to how a project should be delivered it's up to you to deliver the project in a way that suits you and more importantly it gives the client a wonderful experience and the way that works is to build the project that works for you in a unique way and to rebuild it in this style. So you take the first version of kind of like what you do normally and then you edit and improve that to produce a more refined version of what you do, which is more efficient. And that's the way it goes. So the first version is kind of like, this is what I currently do. Next version is always going to be, okay, this is what I wish I did and what I'm going to do from now on. And then you're going to start to kind of teach that to other people. So being able to teach it is going to be the most important thing you do simply because in order to teach something you need to understand it deeply and by you know in order to understand it deeply you need to break it down decide what matters what doesn't rebuild it in an easy way to understand easy way to deliver and that way when you do it that way you will know that you're delivering the best possible way and you understand it fully which means that when you're teaching someone else and they're asking you questions you understand the answers to those questions so for me this would be a case of you're going to probably um, start by writing down everything that you do the first phase is always that it's going to be every single small thing you do you write it down <clears throat> you could use any software to do this. Notion is a really good one. Uh, Process Street is really good. I mean, whatever suits you. I used to use Basecamp. I thought that was excellent. And you write down kind of every step of the project. Now, you can either do this like step one to step 300 and go chronologically, or you might go, well, I'm going to put in the main project milestones and then I'm going to slowly fill in the gaps in between. It doesn't really matter. The first one is going to be everything you do at from you know soup to nuts, as they say, and then you're going to go back and review that and you're going to remove what you think is actually not really needed and you're going to replace it with more efficient alternatives. So now you kind of have version one of the project, which is going to be, OK, now I know what I'm doing. I know how this is going to work. Um, I can understand how it's going to go. And then after that, what you're going to then start to do is work out, OK, what parts of the process can I get someone else to deliver that I don't really enjoy? So this might be more admin related. So the second part is going to be a kind of hybrid where you're still involved, but you've brought in, say, like a project manager or virtual assistant to kind of handle the more admin related tasks of organizing meetings, checking in with the client, all that kind of stuff, where you can focus on the client facing meetings as well as doing the work. So you'll still have the same list. Uh, you'll be delivering it, but it'll be split between two of you. And that way you get to kind of work out what works, what doesn't, and they can feed back to you and you'll have a kind of simple process that is easy to follow and that is consistent. Once you've kind of done that and you've understood, okay, this is how it works. I know my bit. I know what they're going to do. You will, by natural evolution, run that a second time. So now you're kind of, you're running your projects objectively as you look to sort of step away and as you kind of, there's always this feedback loop bit between this is how I think it should be working. So it's more efficient. But actually, when I run it, I discover that it isn't quite right, but it's close. And then we make adjustments. And it's this constant iteration that improves it. Because the third stage is where you're going to relinquish even more control. And you're going to bring someone in to replace what you do as far as a job. So you've got 
a freelancer, a project manager or PA, and yourself. And the three of you are now going to be delivering the project, but you're going to be very, very hands-off, not really that involved in the day-to-day kind of nitty-gritty, but the overall vision of the project. So people will still check in with you, you'll still sign off work, uh, you'll talk to the client, you'll do all these things, but you'll slowly see, are you able to remove yourself and where do you need to double down and fix what you're teaching people? Usually with all this kind of implementing all of the process to deliver, I find it's massively important to kind of use tools and templates and scripts and software to help them. You know, it's like if you were cooking a dish and you were writing down the recipe for someone, you in order to make it easy, you would, you know, tell them what measurements to use, what in you know, what tools to use, how long to do it for. You'd break it down so it's quite precise until they'd had a chance to cook it a few times and then they would understand that and you could go back to what it would be as an overview. So here, this is you're going to do the same thing here. Any times that you are sending emails that feel like they're repetitive, write that down and use that as a starting point for a template. Use software like Basecamp or Process Street or Asana or whatever to maintain and keep the project on track. Create workflows within those bits of software so it's kind of easy to follow. And like I said, it's this thing of... Same with the restaurant analogy and the recipe. You follow the recipe for the first time and then as you deliver it more and more, like most people, they adjust the recipe to taste for their own tastes, but they don't sort of take away anything. So this is why you can get a spaghetti bolognese recipe and it can be different in 10 different houses because it's based off the main core thing, but how people choose to do it and how people choose to adjust it has changed based on their own taste. And we want to do the same thing here. So eventually you're going to build this up where your whole project process is going to be outlined and run through a bit of software. It's going to have various checklists and touch points to go through to make sure they're doing things in the right order. And to make things easy, you're going to give people scripts, templates and workflows to follow And then I would also encourage recording little videos on Loom or or Zoom or whatever that you can sort of add into the process. So if people are unsure, they can watch the video and then they know what they need to do. And in particular, Process Street is very good for this because you assign the tasks that you want and then you keep adding to each task. So when they click on it, they can see a breakdown of what they need to know and all your resources are in there. So that way, um, not only does it make it really easy for them to learn, but it makes it really kind of uh, easy as far as they don't need to come back to you for loads and loads of questions. They can kind of be watching videos, using scripts and all this other stuff, which is going to give them more kind of sort of autonomy. And it's going to make their life easier because nobody wants to kind of be doing the constant backwards and forwards sort of thing. In order to eliminate repetitive tasks, one thing I found is very good thing to do is to actually um, give employees the power to solve them themselves without having to contact you. Now, typically, this is like a frequently asked questions section on a website because clearly they're seeing the same questions again and again and again, so they've answered them, so therefore they don't need to answer questions uh, repeatedly answering the same question over DM. They can actually just point people to the FAQ page. We had a similar process in the hotel, which was I authorised... Um, every member of staff to give up to 10% on a booking uh, to give a complimentary bottle of champagne um, and only really run it by me if it was going to cost more than £200 to fix. And what that meant was the questions stopped. Um, 
everything stayed the same, but now the staff felt empowered to deliver a better service. And because they were talking with the, de- the guest direct, and let's face it, if you think you can land a bigger booking by giving them a discount, as much as I don't like discounts, I fully understand the incentive. You know, if you think it's a big 10-day booking and you give them 10% off, it's definitely probably worth that booking at 90% of the price than it would be to not give the discount and potentially lose it to a rival. Same thing as if a, you know, a guest is unhappy and you want to deal with them and you want to placate them and make them feel more content, then being able to give them a complimentary bottle of champagne or take 10% off their bill or offer something as a sort of freebie um, makes a massive difference to solving the situation, alleviating the stress and making everyone feel better. So these sort of things are important. As you build this up and you can see their repetitive tasks or you find yourself being asked the same questions again and again and again, you need to address why that's happening uh, and you probably might need to actually create additional instructions to cover that, but also giving staff the power to solve these potentially small questions is massively important. So think about doing that as well. I'd also advise um, hiring in key positions. So as I talked earlier, um, it is the case of when you're managing projects. For me, the project manager is one of the most, if not the most important position within the whole thing, because they're the people who keep everything ticking over. They're aware of timelines. They make sure client meetings are booked. They make sure that everything is been signed and approved and they keep everything flowing. So for me, um, that was always a big learning curve because, to be honest, when I was doing it as myself, I was doing it and I had the role of so many different people. You know, I was doing the accounts. I was the boss. I was organizing contracts. I was managing the talent. I was talking to the clients. I was doing the research. I was doing the design. I was also like the CEO as well and doing the marketing. There's so many kind of uh, hats I had to wear so it was really good to kind of slowly remove myself and get a project manager to certainly help with all the admin booking meetings keeping everyone on track hitting deadlines making sure payments were being made all of that meant that I could mentally just relax a little bit more and focus on doing what I do best which is the creative side of work so for me the project manager was the most important hire in my business because then when I want to get additional designers, photographers and freelancers to come in and, and help me with projects, she will manage them. And that is so important as far as it saves me time. There's less back and forth between meetings. I don't have to deal with so much kind of you know petty questions. It's not that this is a frequent thing, but by having someone else there to manage that, more importantly, it frees me up to do what I can do so I can bring the most value to my business. And so these were the things where when you're hiring in key positions, I would certainly think of this first. And this really worked for me. Like I said, the the virtual assistant or project manager role is the most important um, because they'll allow you to kind of free up your time. And then they can, when you hire other people, they will help manage them as well. So that was amazing. And I would thoroughly recommend that. Another skill you will need is to learn how to delegate effectively. And delegation is something that a lot of people struggle with and it starts in your own head you have to have the sort of discipline and the vision to know that although I want to do this job me giving up this job and still being able to fulfill it to a high standard is more important so once you've stopped being a control freak and you try and do everything yourself you'll realize that actually it works to your advantage because other people are doing what you tell them And you're able to step back and kind of oversee how things are going. And that ability to kind of be like a captain on a ship and kind of decide where are we taking things and 
is my vision for the business actually playing out? That's enormous. Um, people don't like to be micromanaged, so it's always important that when you delegate responsibility that you give them responsibility. If you want them to have ownership of what they do, you just need to sort of check in regularly to make sure they're okay, support them, provide feedback and inspiration if they need it, and always be available if they have any questions or they're having problems. Once you start to do this and you become comfortable and you realise, oh, actually, this doesn't mean that my role is diminishing within the company, but actually I'm just taking on a more important role, you'll be very comfortable doing it. And like I said, having a project manager um, alongside you to help manage things and keep it going is vital. The other thing people always ask me about is that how do I know who to hire and how good they're going to be? Because, you know, when it comes to interviewing people, everyone can look good in an interview and their CVs all look great. For me, uh, it's really important that you're able to understand what it's like to work with people because the only way you're going to find out what their fallacies and failings are is to do just that. So one of the most effective ways I've found to do this is to use or create not quite fictional projects or briefs, but maybe briefs that are for my own company. So if I wanted to run some Facebook ads or I wanted to hire a copywriter, I would become the client to hire them for a one-off job. It doesn't have to be a big job, but once I am using their skills on my own business and I'm taking the role of the client, I can objectively judge what I liked, what I didn't like, and how good they are. And what this means is that I'm effectively, although I am taking the risk and it might affect my business, I'd much rather that than I hire someone they deal with a client and they let the client down because that falls back to me as well. So for me, it's really important to kind of deliberately create a project or several projects that you can use to test people out on because then you're going to actually get a realistic sort of understanding of what their limitations are. Hopefully they'll be great and you'll be like, this is fantastic. But as always, there's going to be people who slip through the net who maybe don't turn up on time or their work isn't as good as you thought when you have to see in their portfolio. So this is a, a good chance to kind of weed out those people and uh, any red flags that appear, you can spot them here. The overall rule is always hire people better than you. I mean, I years ago, I think we won a can lion for a radio ad for monster.com, which was a recruitment website. And our strap line was better people make you look good. And we did a load of campaigns about that. And it's so true. If you can hire people who are better than you, you will always look fantastic because they will represent you and your company really well and you'll look great. And that is enormous because the skill is if you can find people who are really good, they're great at their job um, and they will represent your company well, they are gold dust. They're worth so much to your business and it's so important that you bring them on board quickly um, and you get them working for you. There is always the risk that you won't know what they're really like. So this is where you would create the fictional project, find out what they're like. If they're really good, then bring them on board quickly, which is really important. Um, and I would say that if it's not working or you're finding that you're disappointed with how they're performing, then I would also probably say fire them quickly. So that's one of the things that a lot of people struggle with is they hire someone, they don't turn out to be what they wanted and they struggle to get rid of them. But in fairness, it, it suits both parties if you actually just you know move them on fairly quickly. And in the beginning, you can certainly hire people for like a project by project basis. They're not salary to the company. 
and that will allow you to kind of filter out and you'll eventually develop a kind of team of people that you want to bring in for whatever project you're working on. And I always think it's a good idea to have a kind of like A team and B team because if you're using A team people, there's a good chance so are other people and they'll be booked up. So having a sort of list of reserves or B team players you could bring in is also going to be vital. Generally, if you want to, you know, hiring and scaling and improving your business, these are the few kind of tips. I mean, for me, always keep it fairly simple and easy to understand. Once you are beginning to sort of scale up what you do so it suits you, um, you don't want to go into too much detail because it will kind of slow things down and it will become overwhelming. Most people are fairly intelligent. They get the gist of it. They just need a bit of guidance on how you do things. And you might find that actually sometimes having that third party point of view can give you an objective you know, feedback on what you're doing and that will help you improve it. So that's massively important. Make sure that you log everything in some sort of app or project management software like Basecamp, Notion, Monday or Process Street. All of these apps and bits of software are fantastic for this. And what you really want to be doing is keeping a record of every kind of project process and each version of it, 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, as you go, so that you know that you're constantly refining and improving what you do so that when you hand it over to people, it's the most comprehensive version of what you do yet. And that's really important. And that is my other point, which is always look to make continual improvements. The most important areas to look to improve on beyond delivering the quality of service and work that you're doing is the client side of things. So wherever the client is interacting with people within your business or with you, that's an area to really focus on so that you know that whole client experience is smooth and you know enjoyable. Um, outside of that, you want to kind of make sure that you're refining everything so that you're not doubling up and you know looking to eliminate time wasting tasks and also looking again on the flip side to reward the people working for you and celebrate their success and to thank them because not enough people do that and it's a very important thing to do. Um, for repetitive tasks, like I said, give them authority to handle them. Or if they're coming up a lot, create a series of canned responses and use templates and scripts that people can use instead that is going to help them sail through these problems super fast and super easy. So to sum up, if you want a business that is going to increase in value, is going to be more enjoyable to run, is going to help you land bigger, more fulfilling projects, and is going to actually free you up and so you're not completely you know, burning out and, earn, and you can actually instead earn more money, then this is the way to do it. You need to start scaling up. Um, you need to start systematizing everything and be bold. I mean, I know it's not easy to do this, but I promise you, once you've started down this path, you'll never go back and it's only when you find yourself wanting to go on holiday or there's a family emergency or you want to take on a dream job, but normally you were too busy and then you can't because you'll burn out. That's when you'll see the benefits, because when you have really, really solid systems in place, you're just replicating them. So if you said for every project you need credit director, project manager and a freelancer for every project, there's nothing to stop you replicating that. So actually, I'm going to take on three projects, which means I need three project managers. I need three freelancers and I probably need one overall project manager to manage all the projects. Those project managers will manage the people who manage the freelancers. And we have this kind of top down cascading, cascading uh, leadership structure, which you will sit at the very top of. Now, we all know that if you were charging for a job, say £10,000, you did it yourself. 
but you can only do one job a month versus you were doing, you know, hiring other people. And let's say you made 5,000, they made 5,000 in sort of expenses of staff and everything. Well, now you could take on three jobs at £10,000 each. All of your team would get paid their 5,000 per project and you would keep the remaining 5,000 per project. So now you're earning £15,000 a month and you're not even doing the work. And that's where we want to get to where you're not only delivering brilliant work, great client experience, but you're enjoying running your business and it's working for you. You're not, uh, you know, it's not the other way around where you are beholden to your business. And when you're on holiday or you're at dinner with your family, you're fielding emails and phone calls. We don't want to be there. We want to free ourselves from that nightmare. And this is how it starts. As always, I hope you found that useful. Uh, It was a fairly sort of quick overview. But if you have any further questions, please feel free to reach out anytime. It's thad at thadducation.com. You can also get me in the Facebook group. Just search Thadducation on Facebook and join that. And please, if you found this useful and if you know of anyone else who would benefit from this as well, it would mean the world to me if you could share it with them as I really want to grow the podcast and help as many people as I can. All I can do is wish you the best in uh, scaling up your business and say good luck, have a great day. I'll catch you soon. Thank you.